Yeah, it's the kid 50 Cent, and this is what's hot in the streets from Hot 97. Sunday, June 2nd at MetLife Stadium. We get Hot 97 Summer Jam rocking with the festival stage. Presented by Boost Mobile. This is the ultimate showcase of up-and-coming New York hip-hop. Check out the lineup this year. This is ASAP Ferg from Harlem. Joey Bad, Pro Era, Brooklyn Stand Up. It's your boy V-Chase. Harlem's very young. Oh, they got BAM Spanish Harlem represent. This is Action Bronson. Yes, yeah, the Kush God Smoke Dizzle. It's your dope boy Troy ABK representative. It all kicks off at 2 p.m. You need a Hot 97 Summer Jam ticket to get into the festival village. Presented by HotNewHipHop.com. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster. WQHT, New York City. Welcome to Hot 97's Street Soldiers, the hottest talk on radio. Hosted by Lisa Evers. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. We're focusing on hip-hop's biggest mysteries. I'm your host, Lisa Evers, and you can stay in touch and on top of the latest developments. And I just want to give you a heads up. There may be some major developments in the Chris Lighty case coming up this week. So if you want to know what happens as it happens and you want to know about it first, just follow me on Twitter at Lisa Evers. (coughs) Now, in this hour... Um, We're going to be taking a look at three of the biggest mysteries in the hip-hop world that remain, and this has been going on for years, a couple of them, Biggie and Tupac, the bold murders of them in public in front of witnesses, why were those never solved, and then the sudden and unexpected death of multimillionaire hip-hop music manager Chris Lighty, who guided the careers of 50, Busta Rhymes, Mariah Carey, LL Cool J, and many others. Our question for you is, why do you think we can't get answers that bring closure in these high-profile cases? Why are there always dangling questions? There's always a feeling like, wait a minute, we don't know the real story, we don't know the whole truth. And, you know, as a reporter, it's very difficult for me to say, okay, we don't know. Here's what the facts are, but it, it seemed to me with all these cases, all three of them, and there have been developments in the two in Tupac, too, believe it or not, at this point, it just always seemed to me like as soon as I would find out one piece of information, then there's something else that just raises more questions that we can't get answers to. So, so our question for you is... Why do you think we can't get answers in these cases? Give us a call now at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Hit us up with a text at 75759. That's 75759. And remind your family and friends right now who are out of town to tune in to our live stream on hot97.com. Now, we're going to start with the most recent, Chris Lighty. He never got to celebrate his birthday this month on May 8th. That's because on August 30th of last year, he died from a single gunshot wound to the head. The medical examiner in New York City ruled that it was an apparent suicide, but that was not what many of those closest to Chris thought had happened. They just couldn't see him committing suicide. And you're going to hear what we believe may be his last interview that he ever did. That's coming up in just a moment. Now, in the search for answers in this case, Like I said, I've only found more questions. When I got to the home that day that he shared with his wife, Veronica, I was shocked that unlike other situations and scenes that I've come on where there's been a shooting, it was completely open. It wasn't sealed off by police. People were walking in and out. It just looked like like something had happened, clearly, because there were so many people there, but it was not locked down and sealed off the way that we typically see with NYPD when something like this happens, and especially... 
when it involves somebody in a, of a high-profile nature like Chris Lighty and in a community like Riverdale, which is a very affluent community. Now, police said that there was no—I asked them about it. I said, NYPD, why wasn't this sealed off? They said it's because his wife, Veronica, told the first responders there that it was a suicide. They accepted that and just, I guess, didn't seal it off. Now, 50 Cent, who was Chris's close friend and business partner, they made millions and millions of dollars together. He funded an independent investigation— but uh, it was clear to the investigators, from what I've been able, able to gather, that people that knew what was going on, that had key information, just weren't talking. Now, 50 told me he, Chris had just signed a deal with 50, uh, for 50 to go on tour, a deal that, that 50 told me himself would have put about $10 million in Chris's bank account, um, you know, just this, this, this time of, of year alone by this summer. So money didn't seem to be a problem, even though he had had money problems and tax problems at the, in the past. But somewhere trouble was brewing in other areas of his life. We don't know about that. There may be some developments, like I said, this week. You need to follow me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers. We'll be breaking that news as it happens. But um, let's, I want to find out what our guests have to say. And, of course, we want to hear from you. Why can't we get answers in this case and then also Tupac and Biggie, 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Why can't we solve some of these big mysteries in hip-hop? Hit us up with a text at 75759. That's 75759. Now joining me in studio is Derek Parker. He's a former NYPD detective. He's known as the hip-hop cop. He's a co-author of the book Notorious C.O.P., and he's got a new DVD out um, that's called The Rise and Fall of a Hip-Hop Drug Empire. It's all about BMF. Derek, thanks for being with us. We appreciate thank, it. Thank you for having me. Also with us is Kyle Harvey. He is music editor with NBC News, thegrio.com. Kyle, thanks a lot for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Rob Markman of MTV News. He's a hip-hop writer. Rob, thanks so much for being with uh, us. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it. And also with us is DJ NOE. He did what we believe may be the last interview that Chris Lighty ever did. And NOE, thank you very much for being with us. Much respect and love, Lisa. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. So let's listen to one of the clips. Now, this was an interview. Tell us where you did this interview and and when. This interview uh, was done last year, July 2012, roughly about two weeks after the uh, BET BET Awards. And um, it was was based out of the Matrix Studios in the Bronx. Uh, It was intense, man. We uh, had Chris Lighty on the phone. A pleasure to have Busta Rhymes with Lighty actually in the hotel room on this interview. And then, of course, third chimed in was uh, Fife Dog. So it was amazing to have Busta Rhymes, Chris Lighty, Fife Dog all on one line, one interview, possibly the last words of the late, great Chris Lighty. It was amazing. He discussed his come up, how we met Russell Simmons, how we met Leo Cohen. Um, you know, he discussed the vitamin water deal, specifically two two rappers who he really, really said he's mad that he passed up on. Um, he discusses the state of hip hop, where that's at right now. Well, let's let's hear some of it. Let's first hear how he got into the music business. This was Chris Lighty in July of 2012, about a, about a month or six weeks, about six weeks Absolutely. before he died. Let's Grew up in Bronx River, which is like the epicenter of hip hop. You know, carry crates for Red Alert, Zulu Nation, and all that. Um, Jungle Brothers was my start. That led to De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest. Uh, then, you know, work, went to work for Leo Cohen and Russell Simmons. I met Russell at um, this club called Nell's. Okay. And I was like, yo, this is this is the guy that made Def Jam, Rush? This is crazy. 
And then I went to see Leo. I said, I'm going to rock with Leo because this was the Russell Simmons before Russell right. smoothed out Buddha Russell that we got right now. Yeah. Well, Leo is an Israeli. He respected hip-hop and really wanted to take it to the next level. Back in the days when we had the box, mm -hmm. I'm dating myself right now, but right. They, had, <laughs> they had this thing called the box that played videos before YouTube, mm -hmm. and we figured out how to jack the box or make our videos come up more than other people. Right. And, you know, we had 1-900-CALL-LL-COOL-J, 1-900-PE, 1-900, you know, we had the 1-900 numbers, and Leo was just... Uh, legendary for trying to expand the game. Russell was the brain that really, st and the promoter, but once the money came, he was, you know, champagne, and it was more about investing in the brand and investing in the artist right. and, and, and you know, building something that was able to be sold for $4 billion later. And this was something about Chris, too, is that even at that point in his career, you know, with, where he had reached such heights, he was still always interested. Always giving. Yeah, and always interested in what was new and what was fresh and willing to talk to anybody. Yeah, he, w he was totally on top of the game. And even just speaking to him on the phone that day, I discussed with him the, the art covers from all his Violator records to, you know, just to all his branding and marketing schemes. Uh a genius, and it was an honor to speak to him, Lisa. It was crazy just just to have him and Busta and Fife on. I mean, the here phone. he is. He's doing an in, no disrespect. No, no, I'm just saying it's there. like it's he's doing an internet Show interview. Love. This isn't Jimmy Kimmel. He's not doing Absolutely. you know BET Man. awards. I mean, this is like he's that's how much he loved the the genre. Yeah, he definitely showed love, and um, like I said, man, he told the story itself. I was just amazed, and it, it's amazing to really hear the truth. The truth. No, absolutely. Let's hear one more clip, and then I want to hear what all of our uh, guests have to say about this. This was on, and this is an exclusive interview, Hot 97 Street Soldiers, courtesy of NiceOnEquipment.com, DJ NOE. This is Chris Lighty in July of 2012. This is about six weeks before he died, talking about hip-hop and where it is now. I feel like hip-hop's not as fun and credible as it once was. You know, we're doing bigger and better things monetarily, mm -hmm. but musically... And creative-wise, I don't feel like we've uh, surpassed what has happened in the past. You know, where's that Midnight Marauder album? Where's that uh, Chronic album? Where's the Straight Outta Compton album? Where's the, uh, you know, Low End Theory? I feel like there's some good records, and we make records differently now mm -hmm. because of economic uh, basis that hip-hop is... Uh, contributes to. I don't feel like we found the balance of the creativity and the economic gain that we've received. All right, that was the late great Chris Lighty talking to DJ Noe NiceOnEquipment.com exclusive interview heard here on Hot 97 Street Soldiers talking about the state of hip hop. And if you're just tuning in, you can hear that and what we played earlier from him on LisaEvers.com on the podcast, the free podcast that'll be posted right after the show. Derek Parker, you're a former NYPD detective. You work homicide. You work these cold cases. What strikes you about the Chris Lighty case? Does it strike you odd like it strikes me? Well, it, it did strike me as odd at first, but what I later learned from the detectives that had the case and from my police sources is that uh, it appears to be a suicide. I mean, I haven't learned anything that would suggest that it was different. I mean, uh, the medical examiner is really the person that makes the final determination in a case like this because if the police have no witnesses or no evidence that suggests anything different. 
it's going to be a suicide. But what about the scene? Because that was one of the things. You know, I come up on scenes all the time. They just, they just didn't, they just didn't lock it down until they figured out what actually had happened. Well, that was a, a problem. Even if it was a suicide, the scene should have been the first thing that should have been locked down, and uh, the police should have definitely did a better job of that. You know, but again, like I said, you know, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened, but based on what I've learned, um, you know. Like I said, they hired a, a second pathologist, Doctor um, Doctor Michael, Michael Baden. Right, Baden came in and he did a, um, a autopsy, and uh, I don't think his findings are anything different. I haven't heard anything different from. Well, him. there's some, you know, there's there's definitely still more information because some of that takes a while to get out, and there's also legalities to come out too. I mean, one of the key things I wanted to find out was, you know, apparently in suicide, if you're holding the gun, there's going to be gunpowder residue on paraffin. your hand, there's, right? There's a, Something uh, on your hand, or? right? There's a paraffin uh, test that they do. And they can tell if there's residue on your hand if you hold if you fire a gun. So that's something that gets done to the, the detectives and the medical examiners. So usually the forensics they do all of that, and they would come up with something that would suggest or indicate that he might have used the gun. And that's the question I still can't get an answer to. That yeah. I'm trying to get an answer to, because then that would kind of put it to rest. But and a lot of this too is private information. It's only released to the family. There's all sorts of legalities and stuff. But like I said, just follow me on Twitter at Lisa Evers. You may be hearing about something this week. Kyle, when you hit the Chris Lighty case, what do you think about that? I, I just remember when we were covering it at the Grio. It was just very one of those hip hop deaths that people really needed to take a step back, take away from the whole music, en- the, the music entity of it, and really realize that we haven't had one of those type of name name grabbing deaths within the culture in a long, long time. So you had to do a lot of back research, and then I think it it struck people because you know a lot of industry people knew Chris Lighty personally. So you had to go back and try to separate the personal from what you see in the facts. The fact is that he did have the gun. The fact is that you know take away that he did have marital problems. That he was doing a lot of things when it came to his money issues. So there are a lot of things that could have could have really attributed to maybe what can be considered a suicide. So I, I would say this is one of those cases where a lot, a lot of people really just had to separate the personal from the facts. And that's the one thing we were trying to do at the site. Let's look at it. Rob Markman, MTV News. Yeah, I mean, it, no doubt Chris was one of the most loved figures in hip-hop. I mean, I spoke to grown rappers, gangster rappers, been in and out of jail who cried off the record that, you know, Chris Lighty w- w- was dead. Right. And, um, you know, so th- there is, I-, I think, this feeling that people don't want to believe that he would have committed suicide. But, you know, the people that knew him best, um, his brother, Dave Lighty, just, you know, refuses to believe it. Um, about three or four days after he died, I spoke to his business partner, Blue Williams, um, who said that he he doesn't believe that the debt was a, a factor. Like, what's the motive to kill himself? Blue says... It wasn't the debt because Chris was always in and out of debt. When you're a high-profile hip-hop manager, there's ups and downs, and you know how to deal with that. So the fact that 50 said he was going to sign a deal that put him $10 million back They had just signed it. He said they just had agreed on a deal, yeah. If you remember at this time, Mariah had just signed to American Idol. You know, So a lot of people close to him feel like you know money comes and money goes, and Chris knew how to deal with that. And then his own wife said that you know she didn't believe it was the marital problems that caused him stress to kill himself. So... I mean, there's a lot of doubt by the people close to him. Obviously, it, it can be a willingness not to accept, but, you know, these guys are not sitting down. And, and, and you know, for, for 50 to say, yo, I, I don't believe it, for his brother to say, I don't believe it, for Uncle Murder to say, I don't believe it, for Nori to say, I don't believe it, Blue Williams, 
you know, these are people that, that knew him best, and I, I think we should listen to them and just look at it a little more closely. Well, there's certain things, too. He had plane tickets. He was talking with people up until the last minute. There was, you know, the, the money situation. There was money that was about to be coming in. Derek, don't any of those kind of raise questions for you? They do, but like I said, again, it, it comes back to you having some kind of a, you know, a witness statement if somebody was there that saw this. I mean, like I said, you know, this thing is, is going to come about where if somebody did something like this or would suggest that... Um, uh, he committed suicide. There were indications that would tell. And detectives, I'm sure, that had this case went in and they interviewed everybody that they could. They talked to everybody that was in present in the home. And they came up with a conclusion. And like I said, they turned this over to the medical examiner and said, look, help us with this. And he did. And he said it was a suicide. So you're, are you comfortable with that? Or you're, you feel pretty, in terms of your gut instinct on this, as an investigator? That's my gut instinct. Let someone put the gun in his hand and pull the trigger, which is kind of hard to do. I, I don't see anything else right now. What about the NOE? What do you think about this? I mean, the the facts are the facts, but uh, nothing is proven right now. So, and people are still curious. People are still investigating. Um, Fifty himself has taken into his own hands to investigate, and you know, with people still wanting to know answers, he is to me our JFK. He will be the JFK until someone uh, really, really has any new answers. You know, people still want to know. And, uh, and you were there in the studio with him. This was this was six weeks. I mean, this was uh, some amount of time, but not that much. You you were with him there in the studio for your radio show. Was he? Did you get any sense? I mean, he not sounded at all. from this just the way he sounds. He sounds as enthusiastic as ever about hip hop and you know his opinions. Yeah. Um. Just just to be clear, it was actually a phone interview. So right. him and like I said, him and Buster were in the same room, and then Fife chimed in. But I, everything sounded normal, and he sounded up upbeat and. I, could, I mean, over the phone, you can't really tell much. Someone can always cover up, but all his questions were on point. You know, everything that we were asking him and all, all he did sound was energy. And the times that I have met Chris personally, he always was on an on a up note. You know, great person to be around and always had advice to give. All right, let's go to the phones right now. 1-800-223-9797. We're talking about hip-hop's unsolved mysteries. Chris Lighty, Biggie, Tupac. What do you think? Why do you think we can't get answers? Let us know. Which, uh, 1-800-223-9797. Hit me up with a text at 75759. And let's go to James right now from Connecticut. James, hi, you're on Hot 97. Good, how are you? All right, how are you? I'm good, from Connecticut. Um, I just wanted to uh, make a few points about that because... We understand that this goes on in hip-hop and or, uh, you know, around the world, you know, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, war, terror, anything like that. And a lot of times, a lot of things don't get solved for personal reasons. I mean, I mean, a lot of things are political reasons. A lot of things are financial reasons. You know, people pay a lot of money for things. A lot of times it's really not people's you know, say so, so, hey, let's push the ordeal. Let's find out what happened. You know, let's think a little deeper. Sometimes it's just meant to be, you know. I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, princess now. Sometimes it is what it is, you know? No, sometimes it is what it is. That, that That's definitely true. Let's talk. Let's bring the other two into this discussion and talk about Biggie and Tupac. And, Derek, you just uh, were telling us that Tupac's bodyguard. Now, also, too, I mean, this was 1996. So this is a crazy. long time ago, right? Crazy. It's 1996. crazy. But this is on the Las Vegas Strip. I mean, there's people around. Right. There is. And as I said in my book and as I said before, the Tupac homicide is pretty much solved. It's just the fact that the, the police down there in Las Vegas have to put the facts together and just bring this well, case to What are they waiting for, though? I mean, That I don't know. I can't answer that. 
And like I said, in, in reference to the Biggie case, there are components from the Tupac case that match up in the Biggie case as well. Like, for example? For example, the people that were involved are from Los Angeles. This is all, all this case is, those cases are both West Coast related cases. They have nothing really to do somewhat a little bit with the East Coast, but not much. They're most West Coast cases. And then can you can you build on that a little bit for us? Explain that for us? Because also, too, for people, too, I mean, there was a time when that was like the East Coast, West Coast. There were like all these tensions and, you know, between artists, too. And it was. There was. There was a big thing here in New York back when I was here because the commissioner asked me to come down to explain this all to him because I had to fly out to Los Angeles and then back to New York to investigate these murders. And like I said, you know, Vegas PD wasn't really prepared and they didn't really have the know-how to know what happened with Tupac. Uh, it sort of fell by the wayside a little bit when they first investigated that case. And also when Los Angeles had the, uh, the Biggie case, the detectives that were on it at first, weren't, Russell Poole came in afterwards. It was really the detectives from the Wilshire Division. They didn't know anything about hip-hop. So, like I said, there were, there were witnesses in these cases. There were a lot of statements that were taken. And I don't know why the DA's office has taken so long to, to go forward with it. I know the Biggie case is probably more difficult right now with all the things that have happened than the Tupac case. But... I don't know where they're at so far. It's been a long time. But now you, you, you pointed out to me when you came into the studio this morning that Tupac Shakur's f- former bodyguard was found dead just a sh- like a couple of days ago. That's correct. People from Los Angeles reached out to me in New York and they called me and informed me about it on the day it happened. And uh, I know um, a friend of his uh, that's very close to Frank Alexander. As a matter of fact, I spoke with Frank Alexander maybe a month ago um, before this and uh, we, he and I had talked about Tupac, and um, the people in Los Angeles or some of the friends feel that this may be something similar to the Lighty situation. Who, Where he, he found, was found a, with a gunshot wound to his head? And he said it was apparent suicide. But his friends aren't buying that. They're not buying it. So I, from what I've heard, his friends are not buying it, and they, they felt that he had a lot going on for himself, and this, he wouldn't do this to himself. And so he was the personal bodyguard for Tupac in the year leading up to Tupac's murder. Yes. But why is it that, and, and I want everybody to jump in here. It's like, why is it that these cases where they happen and, you know, there were so many people around these guys at that time. I mean, it's at the height of their fame, it's not like people didn't know who they were. Like they must, you know, oh, is that Tupac or isn't that, like everybody knew, everybody knew big. So how is it that nobody is re- nobody really kind of saw anything? It's like that well, same old the, the, street thing. Nobody saw nothing. Well, the, these gentlemen might concur with this also. The biggest thing in hip hop is that cultivating witnesses is very difficult. Yeah, no one's no one wants to snitch. No, no one. one's going to be a rat. Yeah. No one, right? No one wants to talk. No one wants to. Snitch. I'm not going to lie though. If I saw who shot Biggie or Tupac, I would I would have spoke. But being a witness is different from being a snitch. I understand that. But that, was, that's that's what the hip hop community doesn't understand. I think we brought this out one time before in a show where, you know, being a snitch is one thing and being a witness is something different. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but you know, it also goes to, to how deep, especially the Biggie and Tupac case, how deep it went. And, and, and Mr. Parker, you made the case that there were consistencies in both the murders. You have a guy like Gaddafi, who was a rapper in Tupac's entourage, who, you know, it was reported that he can possibly ID the Pac shooter and he was killed in Jersey. Um, what was it? it was That's right. Correct. He's right. Just two months after Pac was killed. So, you know, even when you have people willing to step up and say, I can make this ID, this thing runs so deep that they're taken out. And then look at the bodyguard here right now so many years later. Let's take a phone call. Let's go to Jake from Brooklyn right now. Jake, hi. You're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Did I just hit that too fast? Jake? The old? Yeah, Jake, hi. You're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. 
Hello? Yeah, Jake, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Oh, okay. Yes, uh, my name is Jay. I mean, one thing I have to say concerning, I'm like, say, with, um, uh, with, the, with the officer there that wrote a book, I just wonder if he's here in New York. I wonder if he's, if he's actually here from New York. Um, how did he get the facts if he said the police down in Las Vegas didn't actually put their facts together, but the book is based on facts? You know, and right, well, I think also, lastly, is uh, lives are just valued totally differently. You can just look at when a regular person on the street is shot, someone is down. But when a cop is shot, they're there in seconds. You know, um, you know, like I said, the value for life is just totally different. You know, if you live from the fluent area, such as uh, maybe from where Lighty li- uh, Mr. Lighty lived or someone else, you know, Things are just dealt with differently opposed to down in the, in the city and other places. All right, Jake, thank you very much for the call. You, you're talking about Derek Parker. He's a retired NYPD detective with the hip, founded the Hip Hop Squad, right? Exactly. I started the squad. And as a matter of fact, just the Hip Hop Police. The Hip Hop Police. And just what he said, I was down in, in, in uh, Vegas and I tried to reach out to the Las Vegas PD when this Tupac, when Tupac's homicide occurred. Um, I wrote the facts in the book about what happened with Tupac and with Biggie. So I was there in both cases. Is this all, is Suge Knight involved in all this? Well, Suge Knight's name did come up, and he is a, a person of interest, as we always say in, in, in police business, is that he's a person of interest in these cases. What does that mean? Is that that's like a suspect, or you're not a suspect, or <laughs> you better make sure you know where yeah. you go and who you hang out with? Or That means he's somebody that the police are definitely looking into, and into this case, and they, and they don't want to, like you said, you don't want to go out and point your finger and say, yeah, he did it, until you're absolutely sure, you know? But he's a person of interest. Mr. Parker, if, if I could just jump in and actually right. ask you a question, because, and, you know, it's my innate reporter skills. I'm sorry. There, no, you guys jump in, please. That's <laughs> um, why you're here. You, you know, you talked about the consistencies in, in, in the Biggie and the Pac case. So does that go to say that if you solve the Pac murder, that you can possibly prevent the Biggie murder that happened? It was less than a year, but... Right, one with Tupac was 96 Six, and Biggie and was, was 97. 97. 97. Okay. You know what? You're right. That, that could have been. But I think at that time, the police departments in those cities were very, they were very, um, un, un, they, they couldn't reach into hip-hop. Hip-hop was not their thing. And they weren't into all of this. So when this occurred, um, they didn't know that there was any um, any other factors. Now, not even telling you guys so much in the air, there's a lot of things that happened between L.A. and Las Vegas. Las Vegas PD didn't trust LAPD because of all the problems that LAPD had, especially the Rampart scandal and things like that. There's a lot of things that you you guys don't know as listeners that I do know about these cases that didn't really come out. Well, let us let, let's let some come out. Okay. Well, the first thing was is that Las Vegas didn't trust Los Angeles. Right. Los Angeles had the Rampart police scandal, which is where the cops were working for the gangs. Were working for the gangs. A group of cops, not all of them, but a group. The the, the bad ones. The um, bodyguard, the guy who's bodyguard, um, I think, Sugar at the time, his father was the commanding officer of one of the elite uh, detective squads out in Los Angeles. So they didn't want to give information. They didn't want to pass information back from one city to another because they felt that there would be leaks. And uh, this this case sort of centered, centered around a little bit of corruption. So once you have cases like that, it makes it very difficult because a lot of different agencies get involved. Even with a high profile. You know, Go ahead. I'm sorry. But we talk about, um, you know, hip hop. The, the community not really wanting to cooperate and this being a hip-hop case, but at the end of the day, it was a murder plain and simple. Yeah, fair to and say. it wasn't in a dark alley. It was outside Broad of a daylight. Mike Tyson fight. <laughs> right. Like, you know, so... Thousands, I mean, hundreds of people. That's just not hip-hop selling those tickets. There's, there's people from all walks of life who will go to, to Vegas to see a Tyson fight. So, 
you know, let's say hip hop's not cooperating, you know, nobody saw nothing. Like well, it's a Mike Tyson. Look, look, fight. Well, if you guys remember too, Suge Knight was interviewed, and he said he didn't see who the shooter was, and if he did saw, he wouldn't tell. Right. You guys remember that? I just got to say, though, I mean, is, is there really a big difference between a hip-hop murder and a regular murder? I mean, I don't think so, man. Um, like you said, murder is a murder, and some people just take it differently because of the social status, and even social media wasn't even so big back then. There, was, there was no social media. Can you, right, can you I mean, and, no, and video cameras, there, there weren't cameras everywhere, right, right Derek? I mean, in, in terms of investigation. Not like it is now. It wasn't like now, like you rob, you rob a, a liquor store or something, and you're, you're, the video's on the news that night. Right, correct. All right, let's, uh, we got some text messages. Just coming in at seven five seven five nine, Drew. What's going on? What are people saying? All right, we got a uh, Jen. She's repping Jersey. She's saying that. Uh, let's keep it real. We have no answers because of money and fear. If everyone has a price to keep quiet, and everyone has a fear, they will keep them quiet. Giving, giving. If you give me money, I'll keep my mouth shut. If you scare me and, and threaten me, I'll keep my mouth shut also. So this right. is what she believes is going on with these cases. All right, there it is. And uh, we'll read your text. Hit us up at seven five seven five nine. We're talking about hip hops. Biggest mysteries. Why do you think some of these cases don't get solved, like Biggie and Tupac? Are you comfortable with the decision that was made by the New York City medical examiner that Chris Lighty took his own life, or do you think there's more to that? Give us a call at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Hit us up with a text at 75759. And I want to remind you, Hot 97 Summer Jam 2013, presented by Boost Mobile. We've got free tickets every hour for you all weekend long. Performing live, Wu-Tang Clan, Miguel, Kendrick Lamar, Chris Brown, Wale, Fabulous, 2 Chains, French Montana, ASAP Rocky, Joe Budden. Tickets on sale now through Ticketmaster, and we'll be back right after this. Hot 97 Summer Jam 2013. Presented by Boost Mobile. How many people bring a summer jam before make some noise? Who y'all came to see tonight? Performing live. This is the Wu-Tang Clan representing Wu-Tang Clan. Kendrick Lamar. It's Miguel. Plus. Yo, what's up? This is Wale. It's your boy Joe Budden. Yo, what's happening? It's your boy Fresh Montana. And many more. Get the entire lineup right now at Hot97.com. Sunday, June 2nd at MetLife Stadium. Presented by Boost Mobile. Be heard. Made hot by XXL and Nutriment. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster. Stay connected to Urban America at AURN.com for the latest news, sports, and entertainment information. Your source is AURN.com. The news and sports segments, they're quick, and they give me all the information I need. I can get it all there. I love the exclusives. Like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Tell everyone you know for the latest in urban news, sports, and entertainment information, go to AURN.com, a service of American Urban Radio Networks. I can get all that in one place. Where is it again? AURN.com. Years ago, my doctor told me to take a Centrum Silver multivitamin every day. I tell him, sure, can't hurt, right? Then I heard this news about a multivitamin study looking at long-term health benefits for men over 50, and the multivitamin they used for the study, Centrum Silver. Hey, that's what I take. My doctor, he really knows his stuff. The most recommended, most preferred, most studied. Centrum, always your most complete. A prior formula of Centrum Silver was used in the study. Here you are, Mr. Williams. You can have this prescription filled around the corner. Remember, the doctor wants to see you in two months. Thanks. See you then. I know what you're thinking. Doctors are no fun. Healthcare's not something we like to think about, is it? Well, when I lost my job and my benefits, I had to think fast. 
I have diabetes and need my meds. Good thing I found Metro Plus. Now, my blood sugar's under control. They even helped me lose weight and stop smoking. Metro Plus offers New York State-sponsored free or low-cost health insurance programs for you and your family, such as Child Health Plus, Family Health Plus, and Medicaid Managed Care in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx. Metro Plus also offers Medicare Advantage plans and a New York State-sponsored managed long-term care plan in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx. Find out which plan is right for you by calling 1-800-475-METRO or visit metroplus.org. Metro Plus got me covered. Some children who had employer-based health insurance within the past six months may be subject to a waiting period before they can enroll in Child Health Plus. This will depend on your household income and the reason your children lost employer-based coverage. I'm Jim Cook, brewer of Samuel Adams. Why is Boston Lager loved by beer drinkers? Maybe it's the deep amber color, or the head so thick you can float a bottle cap, or maybe it's just a freaking good beer. Feeling good today. When do you crave a refreshing iced tea? Twisted Tea wants to know. The next time you want that same satisfying refreshment, but with a kick, grab a Twisted Tea. The refreshing hard iced tea that tastes like real iced tea. Twisted Tea Brewing Company, Cincinnati, Ohio. Drink responsibly. Cheetos Hotline. This is Chester. Hi, I'm having some flaming hot Cheetos and my fingers are burning. Just wipe them on the drapes. Not my department. You'll have to call the Drapes on Fire hotline about that. Ta-da! Take a Cheetos break with Cheetos. Pick up a bag of Cheetos today at a store near you. A helping hand is sometimes all we need. So we stick together close like family. You and me, we can make the world shine bright with love. Get 10% like refrigerators, washers, and dryers. Prep for Memorial Day weekend at Lowe's with store-wide savings. Get 10% off major appliances, $399 and above. Lowe's, never stop improving. Bound through 522. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. You're in your car, and that annoying check engine light comes on. You're tempted to call its bluff, tape over it, and wait it out. But you know there's a better way. AutoZone. They'll help you find what the problem is for free. They sell tape there, too. But you won't be needing it. When your check engine light comes on, get to AutoZone. We'll read your trouble code for free and help you fix it right the first time. Or we can recommend a professional mechanic with our shop referral program. Get in the zone. AutoZone. See store for restrictions and details. Summer Jam is on its way, and what better way to stay connected than with a new Android phone from Boost Mobile? They now have Android phones starting at less than 100 bucks. Pick up the Kyocera Hydro for $99.99 or choose from our awesome lineup of affordable Android phones like the Samsung GS2 or the LG Venice and get access to a world of apps, games, and more on Google Play to help you stay more connected to your world and your music. So call 1-888-4-BOOST-1 for Boost Mobile store locations to get one now. Western Peak, where you shop much more for less. Check out this week's specials. Seedless watermelon, 49 cents a pound. Assorted Entenmann's, $2.99. Hellman's mayonnaise, 30 ounces for $2.99. Carolina rice, 20 pound, all Western, all gallon, $5.99. For the grill, fresh tender skirt steaks, $4.99 a pound. Fresh chicken quartered legs, 59 cents a pound. Western Peak, your number one supermarket for your barbecue needs. Shop much more for less. 
Want to go to Hot 7 Summer Jam 2013? Join Blink Fitness to score access to a spacious modern gym for only 15 bucks a month and get your hands on a secret text code to enter to win Summer Jam tickets. Visit BlinkFitness.com to find out the location near you. Yeah, yeah, NYC, what up? You already know this is your boy Uncle Murder, a.k.a. East New York. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers Live on Hot 97 with Lisa Evans. Real people, real issues, real politics. You heard? Brooklyn. Yeah, thank you, Uncle Murder. I like that joint he has on Flex's new mixtape too. That's very hot, very hot. So uh, shout out to Uncle Murder. He, also, he, he says that he's gonna, um, you know, get Suge for the Big Murder in that song. <laughs> we'll see. You never crazy. know. Uncle I want, Murder, crazy. Uncle Murder, you know, anything is possible. Anything oh, is possible. Um, we're, we are talking about hip hop's unsolved mysteries, and before we get into that, and I introduce all the the great guests that we have here in studio. Your telephone calls one eight hundred two two three. 9797 text messages at 75759. Why can't we get answers? I want to send my condolences out to the family of 14-year-old Deja Robinson of South Jamaica. She was shot and killed last night, around 9 o'clock last night, getting onto the Q6 bus in South Jamaica. They're still not sure yet uh, whether or not it was a stray bullet or somebody was aiming for her and her girlfriend. They were just getting on the bus going home. So if you know anything, uh, detectives are asking you to call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-577-TIPS. You don't have to give your name. You can remain totally anonymous. And uh, there were a lot of rounds fired, apparently, and, and one of those bullets hit her and, and killed her. So it's very sad for this 14-year-old girl. But um, if you know anything, 1-800-577-TIPS. If you were a witness, um, they'd like to talk with you. Okay? And let me introduce our, our guest. We've got with us Derek Parker. He is the author, co-author of Notorious COP. He is the founder of the Notorious Hip Hop Police with <laughs> NYPD. And um, he also has a new DVD out, The BMF, The Rise and Fall of a Hip-Hop Drug Empire. And Derek's been involved in these cases with Biggie, with Tupac, with many, many others. Um, Also joining us, Kyle Harvey. He is a music editor, the music editor for NBC News, thegrio.com. Also with us, Rob Markman. He's a hip-hop writer for MTV News. And also with us, NOE, DJ NOE, NiceOnEquipment.com. He did what we think may be the last interview with Chris Lighty that we played exclusively here on Hot 97 Street Soldiers just a short time ago. You can hear that interview if you want to hear it again. You can uh, log on to LisaEvers.com to our free podcast that we have there later on. Also joining us is Jaja Shakur. He's with KRS-One's Temple of Hip Hop and a professor of hip-hop at Essex County Community College. And thank you all very much for being with us. Of course, your phone call is 1-800-223-9797. Let's start with William from Queens. William, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. How you doing? Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Um, I want to talk about the Tupac and Biggie um, murders quickly, but I want to focus on um, the Chris Lighty situation. Okay. Um, The thing that's confusing about it is that you have close friends that say that he wouldn't do that or um, he's not a person to do that, however have you. He knows how to handle um, money situations. He's been in and out of them. So um, what I feel like is interesting is that at his last minutes or moments, he wasn't reaching out to a close friend or nobody says that, hey, he gave me a call. He didn't sound like himself. So that right there is questionable. Um, What a lot of good, people good are doing point. or what good police point. are doing. 
And a lot of a lot of people say with suicides too. A lot of times there's a note, there's a message, there's a sign, something. Like there's, there's something exactly, like exactly. Tyler Clemente, yeah. that the 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 that horrible tragic case from Rutgers, the student that was outed for being gay that jumped off the George Washington Bridge, sent a message on Facebook. You know, he did a, a quick Facebook message. There's usually some kind of message. Right. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead, William. Uh, another thing is that we're not, uh, or not we, but they're not. Um, trying to contact the people that he spoke with in that final day or, or have them come forward and say, what was he talking to you about? Or nobody has any, like, quoted somebody that spoke with him in his last minutes. So that in itself is something to question. What we are doing is that we're saying that the facts are, but facts could be tainted. And if it's possible to stage a suicide, then it's possible for that to be in the cycle as well. All right, so, well, William, you're raising, you're raising some good points, but the, in, in terms in terms of Lighty, once they rule it a suicide, that whole police investigation thing gets shut down. So the points you're raising about interviewing people, talking to people, none of the, none of those things happen. There is a private investigator that was trying to talk to people, but they don't have the power of the law behind them. So if people don't want to talk to them, they just don't talk to them, or they don't return the call or, or return the message. We were talking during the break, I want to share this with our audience, about some of these other cases. Right. And, and Rick Ross, what's going on in Miami right now? Well, just to the public, just to tell, inform the public what's going on in Miami. Probably in the last two months, I mean, it was a shooting with uh, Rick Ross. I had a drive-by shooting with him, and then there were maybe three other murders out in, in Miami involving rappers, up-and-coming rappers. Um, that's something that's recent. And what right. does that tell you? Or what it do you it just tells on? me that, that you know, there's still violence in hip hop. But there's there's violence everywhere in, in in the world, and a lot of times these murders get solved. You know, I don't want to act like it just happens in New York or L.A. or just a Rampart scandal or it's Tupac and Biggie. I made a list of all the unsolved, um, or a big chunk of the unsolved murders in hip hop, and Tupac and Biggie at the top. You got Gaddafi, who was a Tupac associate. You got Stretch from Live Squad, who was a Tupac associate. You got Jam Master J. You got Magnolia Shorty from Cash Money. You got Soldier Slim from No Limit, who died back in 1998. You got brothers Fat Pat and Big Hawk from Houston, who were down with the screwed up click, and they died almost similarly eight years apart from each other. Big L was murdered. There's been no conviction in, in his case. Scott LaRock was murdered. M Bone from Cali Swag District was shot in his car on La Brea in Inglewood. Nobody saw nothing. Nobody solved that. Mac Dre, Oakland legend, hip hop legend, killed in 2004. Little JoJo in Chicago up-and-coming rapper who was just killed. Um, the numbers are staggering. You know, the, the amount of, of unsolved hip-hop murders is, is just very alarming. And, and, and you know, I think most definitely Talib Kweli, you know, talking about rappers are in danger, they killed Tupac and Biggie. I would like to chime in. They're not in. the only ones. This is Jaja Shakur. I would like to chime in and say, um, as a hip-hop heel in the tip of hip-hop, working with Karis One, what we have done is that we say we're not hip-hop revolutionaries, that we are hip-hop revolutionaries. And as a hip-hop revolutionary, looking at the unsolved mysteries, we have to contextualize this historically. We have something called the counterintelligence program underneath the FBI, underneath J. Eagle Hoover, and that's the way we look at the hip-hop police concept. Because if you have unsolved murders and mysteries in hip-hop, and you have FBI agents on the case, how come no one's seeing anything? 
How come no one solved anything? So as we contextualize this, it was an East Coast-West Coast war also between the Black Panther Party. So it was an East Coast-West Coast conceptualized war between East Coast and West Coast. What are you saying, Jaja? You're saying that the government was behind this? Definitely, of course. I mean, the police was right there. It was police agents who was definitely in the camp of Suge Knight, who was his bodyguards and who was around him, who was involved with the the Piru gang in in, in the West Coast. So when we contextualize this, we can't mystify what has taken place in hip-hop because what's going on is that if you have surveillance police doing surveillance on hip-hop artists and rappers and then it goes beyond rap music and goes into urban communities especially urban communities of color we have to look at why there has not been any unsolved murders taking place so even with chris lighty we can look at it and say it's a suicide but is there going to be an independent investigation that goes outside of the traditional uh investigation that police surveillance does so in closing i'm going to say hip-hop needs a healing it's 25 years ago the stop the violence movement took place we need another stop the violence movement to take place because in hip-hop culture you have a large segment of people who are not being held accountable and responsible for the violence well that's a good and judge let me cut you off right there because that's 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 the issue. Is this is this similar to what the Derek? As you were a former homicide detective too, is it is this similar to what the rate of unsolved cases is with murders also, just in general, or is it a higher unsolved rate with these hip hop cases? Well, it's a higher unsolved hip, uh, rate with the hip hop murders because none of them are really being solved. Jam Master J, Jam Master J's murder, I solved myself. I can tell you guys sitting in the room, and I wrote it in my book. I handled that case because I retired and got called back in to handle it. That case is solved. It's just it just has to be put together. The DA's office really dropped the ball on it, and uh, that's where that's something I can say in the case right now. Can it be reopened and reinvestigated? Of course, and be, and, and but, be closed out again. What do you mean solved? It's solved in the fact where you know who have, the gunman was. We know who one of the persons that was involved was. Okay, the whole idea is that in in a particular case like this, you remember again. It, this is going to come down to you arresting a co-conspirator, somebody that was involved with the case. And remember, a co-conspirator, can you cannot arrest, make an arrest on the word of a co-conspirator. You need another independent witness. You mean somebody that co-conspirator could be somebody and somebody that was there. Exactly. If two people call and they commit a crime, the other one can say, well, he did it and I did it. you got to have something else a little bit more than that. They can't. Need a witness, actually. You know, um, Mr. Parker makes a great point. He he says he himself has solved the case, but the the, um, DA has dropped the ball. Totally. And and I'm going to say this on the air. The the DA's office did a bad job with this particular case. And uh, it can be solved right now. It it has to go back and be reopened, but it can be solved. But but you have to bring these things to justice. You know, it's not just What does that say about a person's life when nobody wants to step forward and say, you know what, this is wrong, what happened to this person? Look look at what happened to T.I and not to defend what he did with, with the case that he got with all, with all the guns. T.I. saw his best friend murdered in the drive-by shooting. He was in the car, and Fallant wasn't the target. They were trying to shoot T.I. So if I'm T.I., and, and remember, this is at the height of his career, you right. know, right. Um, he's like, well, damn, they didn't solve the Biggie and Tupac murder. What makes them think, you know, what makes me think the police are going to protect me? Maybe I should go out and get all these guns. And again, a, a crime is a crime. And, and, and see, I got convicted. And right. but you can understand the, the mentality, mentality of, of that of, you're of on your own. That you feel like you're on. You feel like you're People on your own. People are after you. You know. And exactly, and then you have to look at in the T.I. case that his bodyguard, who even took him to go to get the infrared, happened to be a, a police insurgent inside his camp. 
Well, actual fact. You mean a police informant? Police informant, informant. inside his camp. So when we're talking about um, a hip hop police agency, and then you have a bodyguard taking him to go get the infrared guns and all these these weaponry, we have to ask the question: Was it a setup? Well, let, let's, let's okay. Let's, let's, that is a good question. Right. That is a good question because there were well, like I FBI, cla- there were I, informants in a lot of these cases. Yeah, well, I want to clarify something. So it's like if you have informants in there, how come <laughs> they were allowed to happen the murders in the first place? And an informants, just so you know, an informants are tools the police use sometimes to solve crimes. Okay, do informants make great witnesses? No, because they're informants. That's what they do. Inform. Do informants they, help to commit crimes? They they help police. They help police solve crimes because that's what informants do. But. Let's just get back to the, what this gentleman said about question, the hip-hop squad. Question, do they help commit crimes? The informants? Yes. No. The, the, job is, the job of the informant is to help the police solve crimes, but not sir, to commit no, crimes. In the case of, uh, of T.I., the, 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 uh, the bodyguard took him to go get the infrared, the inf- infrared scope and the weapons, and then T.I. gets incarcerated, but the informant doesn't. So but, that's a setup. He can't incriminate himself. That, no, no, but I, I think you missed out on something like that, too. The, the bodyguard, I think when we go back to this T.I. case, I think when... When they went in to get the guns, I think the um, person that went with the police officer went in and dealt with them, and the guy said that T.I. was involved with this, and that's what happened. That's how you get arrested. All right, let's. Uh, we got. I got to take some phone calls because we got a ton of a ton of phone calls here. Let's go to uh, Marissa from New Jersey. Marissa, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, how are you doing today? All right. Um, I believe that the whole Tupac and Biggie murder was a political conspiracy. You have two influential people that very that had two different coasts beefing with each other so they had to take them out to create a a different atmosphere for people that was killing and murdering each other over these types of beef, beef that was going on with each other and then on top of it to have someone like suge knight in the area of tupac i honestly believe that the government placed suge knight with tupac so they could have him murdered. Okay, well, that's a lot. That's that's going that's... way, way out further. <laughs> but let, let me just take this, Kyla, just in terms of paint a picture for us in terms of like just how big these two artists were because they had a they had a pull and they had a reach that a lot of our artists now don't have. I mean, you still mention Biggie and Pac to this to this day. I mean, they're pillars. Like, you can't really talk about hip-hop without mentioning these two people right here, and they set a precedent. I mean, lyrically, Tupac and Biggie, especially Biggie, what he did, bringing back the East Coast sound when the West Coast had it for uh, numerous years, and for a Pac and the things he was doing off-camera and the things he was doing as, as a movie star. I mean, the stars were bright. I mean, we still be probably talking about Biggie and Pac to this day, you know, if they were still alive. Unfortunately, I spoke about them this morning. Right. That's, how, that's how current it is. Right, that's, right. that's how current they are. 1-800-223-9797. Hit us up with a text at 75759, and our production supervisor, Andrew Varis, Dominican Drew, a.k.a. Dominican Drew, is here with uh, some text messages. What are people saying, Drew? And these text messages are lighting up right now. We have one that says that, you know, to tell you the honest truth, I think the police kill them both since we're not getting the right information and there's so much um, missing information from these cases. And also that um, I believe that we aren't getting any info because these are black hip-hop stars. Maybe if there were white pop stars, things might be different. All right, there it is. Hit us up with a text at 75759. Let's go to Eddie from New Jersey. Eddie, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hey, how we doing? Um, Miss Evers, and I want to say um, thank you for the opportunity, but um, I'm looking at it from a, from a common sense point of view. Let's look at it. I mean, everybody, look at all the presidents and look at everybody in history who, was, who made some type of uprising, made some type of fame. Look at all of them and see how they died. I don't think I don't think that the hip hop police or the or the police whose job is to protect and serve are actually living up to what they're supposed to do. Because if you just like let's just have a regular conversation, name it. 
all the presidents who all the presidents who died, most of them was died by uh, was caught was killed by the um, so-called police. Okay, Eddie, Eddie, wait, the- Eddie, wait. That that's Eddie. We're you need more coffee. Let's go to <laughs> let's go to KJ. <laughs> Sorry, let's go to KJ from New Jersey, or maybe I do because I can't follow that one. <laughs> KJ from New Jersey, <laughs> you're, on, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hey, how are you? All right, how uh, are you just, doing? I'm just thinking that it's like it has to do with like the corporations, like the companies that own like most of these like record labels, and it's like they want you to sell out and make like a strip club record, you know, like Uncle Murder song. And because that's where the money's at. So when the rappers refuse to make that sellout, which can get them a lot of money, they're like, oh, he doesn't want to do this, so we get rid of them. And that's what I think it is. Because you think about a lot of rappers, like, I, I don't think, wait, wait, I don't, wait, everyone's shaking the, KJ. Biggie had hit records, like, KJ, these no, are no, like, no, 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 these are not like what hit I'm records. Saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that Biggie, Biggie and Tupac had big records, right? But they were like the first rappers to start making real money in hip-hop. So once they saw oh, wait, that, Rob's shaking his head. Run DMC had okay, the Adidas deal. What is he talking that's, about, man? Come on. KJ, that's two strikes. I'm afraid I'm not going to yeah, be able to wait for the third one. Rob, what about the... What about what about the making? I mean, they were making money. These guys were making money. They're making big money at that yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, just in terms of visibility for the for the young audience who may not have been around, I mean, that might be the the comparison to Jay Z and maybe a Kanye West. Well, like how big, right? Rock and big were in their day, but you know, it's just not the the the, the brightness of their stars, right? I mean, because Jam Master Jay was on the downside of his career. Run DMC was basically over. And, you know, so so I, I don't know that it's just the biggest stars. It's disheartening that you can't solve the murders of the biggest stars. But, you know, Soldier Slim wasn't a, a big star. He was just beloved, and neither neither was Mac Dre. I, I, I think there's just a bigger problem here. In the, in the well, you issue. think it goes beyond they, that they happen to be in hip-hop, but it's a bigger problem? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, w- what I'm saying is is that... Like it's a problem of violence or it's a problem of it, violence because of the, the the communities and the world that they're coming from? Yeah, it, it's definitely a, a problem of violence. I don't really street. think it's the community as much. I think it's really the money's the big influence, you know what I'm saying? Let's just say you break on that platinum single and you spend all that money and all of a sudden you're down, you can't come out with that next single, you're not on tour, so forth and so on. You know, you might go into a stage and... Um, when you're down, you're down. When you're up, you're up. And just talking about Biggie Smalls in general, you know, I was thinking about it. He's one of the first rappers to uh, have a video on a speedboat in the ocean. Right. You know, after, he set the tone. He set the tone for a lot of rappers. Uh, you know, so any any young any young one out there, any rookies out there in hip hop, when you think you know hip hop, you know, Biggie was uh Biggie really set a lot of trends. And you know, I'm just saying Biggie's entire picture, Lisa, is just crazy. And some people don't even honor it to this day. But, but I mean, Big L wasn't platinum. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not discussing he, platinum he or gold. I'm just saying that just how big Biggie was in itself, you know? And uh, for someone not to be at that level and they're murdered, right. you know, they're, a, a murder's a murder. A death is a death. And uh, That's you know. important that you say that because that's even with Tupac outside of music. One of his last interviews, he was saying that um, the, next, the next time there would be a political election, he would sit right across and he would create a political party and make sure that his influence will have on the political election on the national level so therefore he was even prophesizing the election of Barack Obama in that sense alright I don't know if I'm going to go on that one I'm just about the, okay the, um, let me see if I, I don't think I can even take any more calls right TJ's giving me that you're really mm-hmm. being tough with me today on this time thing <laughs> TJ's giving me the signal we got like two minutes left in the show let me just go right, let me go around our panel real quick um, Derek Parker do you think that the any of these things will... Do you think the two biggest ones, Biggie and Tupac, do you think they'll be solved? Yes, and I think it, I can solve them. As the other homicides that we spoke about also about the other rappers, if I 
Somebody get some funds together, send me around the, com- around the country, I can solve all these murders. Really? All right, we'll see. All right, Derek Parker, I want to thank you for being with us. He's a former NYPD detective known as the Hip Hop Cop. His book is called Notorious C.O.P. He has a, he's in a new DVD uh, called The BMF, um, The Rise and Fall of a Hip Hop Drug Empire. Kyle Harvey, NBC News, com. Last word? Last word. Um, honestly, I think... Even even some of the callers, they were talking about how they were giving these conspiracy theories. A lot of conspiracy far, theories. Some things are so far-fetched, but I think that really just speaks to the fact of how far removed we are from this case. I would really love to see some type of clarity being issued down, and, you know, maybe an ETA of when, you know, these murders will be solved, because, you know, this is 15-plus years. It's it's about time. Exactly. That's Rob, my last thought. Thank you. Rob Markman, MTV News. Yeah, I mean, I would just like to see not only these murders be solved, but convict, arrest and convictions be handed down, because it, it would go a long way to, you know, the hip-hop community gets, uh, hip-hop artists get demonized a lot and vilified, and you know, at the same time, on the token, hip-hop artists are, are targets too, so it goes a long way to to show the hip-hop community that, yo, you know, you, if, if you die, if you're murdered like any other citizen or any other star, any, like, we're going to solve it. We're going to treat it seriously, and we're going to give it the respect that it deserves. I, it just doesn't feel like that there's much interest. In no, I know. And and I, I don't understand that because there's other cold cases, other quote-unquote cold cases that uh, get a lot of attention. Um, NOE, DJ NOE? Yeah, Tri-State area, New York City. Uh, I got to say it, man. When you're at the top, there's always someone that wants to knock you off. Um, death has no name. Death has no number. Death has no time. So uh, rest in peace to all the greats that have passed, and um, I do believe that the Biggie and Tupac mystery will come to face. I also do think that someone's going to open the books on the uh, the Jam Master J case again. I hope that is solved. But um, you know, those are my thoughts for the day, man. Those are my thoughts. All right, and thank you, thank you for bringing us that uh, phone interview, that exclusive phone interview with Chris Lighty. You can hear it if you missed the show, or if you're just tuning in right now, you want to hear it again. You can log on to LisaEvers.com uh, later today. Actually, right after the show, it'll be on the free podcast there. You can download that. Jaja Shakur from uh, Essex County Community College. Final word, real quick. Yes, I just you'll leave us on a peaceful note. Yes, right? on a peaceful okay. note. I just want to say that uh, violence is a national public health issue. Hip hop has to grow up. Hip hop has to stop the violence next year is the 25th anniversary of the stop the violence movement get involved hip-hop nation we are international culture of peace and prosperity and today marks the 17th anniversary of hip-hop appreciation week let's stop the violence let's organize and create uh violence movements all across america and the world peace i I like that peace thank you very much a push for peace and uh i want to thank everybody here at hot 97 our vice president for programming ebro assistant program director Carly Hustle, Senior Marketing Director, Denisha Benjamin, our Executive Producer, Tone Capone, Associate Producer, Joe Connor, Angelique Tyree, Production Supervisor, Andrew Veras, our Board Op, TJ, and um, I want to thank everyone who helps us put the show together each and every week. Please check me out on the Fox 5 News at 6 and 10 tonight, 5, 6, and 10 during the week. And as I said, I'm expecting there may be some news in the Chris Lighty case this week. That's what I'm being told by some of my sources. Follow me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, so you'll know when it breaks and what it is. And have remember, uh, we're going to be off next week because it's Memorial Day weekend. The following weekend is Summer Jam. Nice. Summer Jam Sunday. I'm so excited. I'll be covering it for Fox 
Fox 5, so you can set your DVRs for the Fox 5 News at 6 and 10, live from Summer Jam. And also, you make sure you come and visit us in the Festival Village. It's going to open at 2 o'clock. The performances start at 2.15. Come see Tone Capone, our whole Hot 97 Street Soldiers crew, um, at our Street Soldiers booth right there at the Festival Village. So make sure you check us out. And have a great week, everybody. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Push for peace. Hot 97 Summer Jam and the Grand. We're sending you to Hot 97 Summer Jam! Summer Jam tickets and the grand weekdays at 8 a.m., 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 6 p.m. I got some Summer Jam tickets for you, Renee. Yeah! $1,000 for Sabrina today! Hot 97 Summer Jam tickets and the grand. Get down with the click at hot97.com. These days, most iced tea and lemonade comes from big companies with big lists of ingredients, but one brand comes from a real.